Hi, I'm Kyle Goes, and welcome to the Inwards and Onwards podcast. For the longest time, I've been fascinated to understand more about showing up authentically, vulnerably, and presently in life. As such, I started to understand that my external world was a reflection of my inner one. And when I've had moments of hitting rock bottom or needing to pivot in my life, I've had to go inwards to move onwards. So come join me as I explore other people's journeys, from entrepreneurs to coaches, spiritual teachers, friends, and beyond, as we learn their innermost thoughts and peel back the layers to share the moments where they've had to go inwards to move onwards. Let's jump in. Today's guest, Chloe Paniotu, is an inspirational woman who is passionate about making a difference for the adults of tomorrow. As a certified psychologist and hypnotherapist, she has experience working with children during their formative years through to adults during their childbearing years and beyond. Chloe is also the co-founder of Mindfully Loved, who are focused on helping prepare couples mentally and emotionally before parenthood. In this episode, we explore the roots of Chloe's passion for changing future generations, the importance of modeling the behaviors we want to see, how to self-regulate our own emotions, and the impact our healing has on generations to come. So, Grab a cup of tea and join us for an insightful conversation as we lean and learn from Chloe's experience and perspectives on creating a brighter future for generations to come. Welcome, welcome. I am so excited for today's guest. I have the lovely Chloe, um, who has had a phenomenal journey. And even just the way we've kind of met <laughs> is, <laughs> is really awesome. We met during personal development days, you know, mm. uh, many, many moons ago. Um, and then reconnected uh, out of fate, I think. And when I say fate, my wife and her both <laughs> wanted to meet up. Uh, but from there, I was like, you know, I just felt you would be actually a perfect addition to the show, purely for the fact that you are so passionate about changing future generations and the work you're doing right now with Mindfully Loved, um, you know, and helping parents uh, before they even conceive or think about having conceive, uh, think about conceiving kids. Mm. I love this work that you're into. So. Before we get into that, I want to understand what brought you on this journey. Thanks, Kyle. Well, I've been eagerly waiting for the invite <laughs> to, to come to your podcast. So thanks for having me. I'm very excited. Um, wow. Okay. It's been it's been a long journey. It's been a long journey. Um, but yeah, it started for me, started for my teenage years, to be honest. I've always loved being around children I used to just babysit family friends and just being around children and I always had that passion and I think longing to become a teacher I always wanted to be around kids and just working at schools so that's kind of like around 14 15 I was like oh I would love to be a teacher and work around kids and then as I was getting closer to I think graduating it just shifted more into just becoming a psychologist and working with children helping yeah. children and through my studies I went to America and obviously a degree your first degree you do you do just in general psychology so I did that and then when it was time to look into expanding into my master's so my postgrad postgraduate studies I decided to continue into school psychology which meant working prim- primarily in schools with children with parents with teachers and i did that. I did that for 10 years. I worked wow. at schools in America and Australia and then in private clinics and some of my personal work and just loved it. I loved I loved the whole setting of schools. I loved the energy in schools. The they just 
I love entering a school and hearing the laughter of children and just, you know, just like the energy, the playful energy. I think that's what it is, just a playful energy. And yeah, like did that. And then probably four or five years ago, I caught myself coming home and just feeling a little bit agitated, feeling a little bit just starting to feel that I wasn't doing enough, that I was just feeling helpless and hopeless and just that I wasn't getting enough time with the kids. Like it was just, it's not enough. Like I want to like help all these kids, but making them feel worthy and welcomed and accepted in those, that hour, um, hour in our session was just didn't feel enough. I'm like, there's yeah. so much more that I want to do. And that's when I started coming and like talking to my husband about a Michael. And we realized that so much work needs to happen with the parents and I realized that most of those kids were just holding on to things that weren't theirs, you know, mm. stress, emotions, anger, resentment that weren't theirs to hold on to. They were the parents that were just passed mm. on to them. Um, and I might get into it a little bit later into this, but that's what kind of like drew me into start exploring some more work with parents and start questioning, you know, what would happen if we actually worked with parents? And then even better, what would happen if we actually started working with couples before having kids, helping them, not helping them, not just helping them deal with their own trauma and just start the healing, but teaching them ways to deal with their own emotions, teaching them Mm -hmm. emotional intelligence. So then they don't have to just teach their kids. Their kids can just model what they see in it every day. Which Um, is one of the biggest ways kids learn, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, So that was like kind of like one part of my journey through school psychology and then just psychology. So now I work with couples, I work with individuals uh, as well as kids um, still. Um, But I think the idea of just fixing the kids, Mm. you know, the, the idea that parents like, here, like my kid has issues, kind of deal with it. Yeah. Fix them. You know, yeah, yeah. you have no idea how many times I've heard that. You know, no. <laughs> fix them. Yeah. Wow, I wow, seem like wow. completely separating any accountability that as a parent and just throwing all the blame into the kids. They have the wow. issues. So now kind of seeing that if I'm seeing a kid, I'm definitely seeing the parent as well. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not it's not just a child. You know, the child is holding on to those things, but where are they coming from? Let's support the child through you. Yeah. Um, and, and even in the schooling system, I think one of the yes. things that is so challenging is that like when parents drop their kids off at the school, they expect the school to model and teach yes. and correct behavior. Yep. You know what I mean? Rather than like realizing that, you know, what I don't know what percentage I was just going to fling out, mm-hmm. like, you know, 80% of the work is actually on the parents. Mm-hmm. The 20% is on the school. Course, you know what I mean? Of course, of course. And I think it's society, unfortunately. We have these expectations that, want, that we take them to the school and it's their responsibility. Yeah. You know, ah, like, yeah. you know, yeah. we you know, we don't have to see our kids deal with our kids for like eight yeah, hours. Yeah. yeah, eight hours a day. It's their responsibility. I'm hoping that they're not only teaching them how to write and read, but also how to behave, also how to, you know, deal with their emotions, which, you know, it's not fair. But also it's not the right way of teaching emotional intelligence now. There is so many yeah. curriculums at schools around teaching emotional intelligence. And we have teachers that themselves don't know how to deal with their own emotions. Yeah. Trying to teach, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, something. But then sending the kids home. And being around families that don't do any of that either. So it's kind of like very contradicting that we're just mm. sitting kids on a desk and telling them, this is how you communicate your emotions. This is how, you, you know, this is what you do when you're anxious. This is what you do when you're angry. But there's no modeling around them. Yeah. They don't see teachers do it. They don't see their parents do it. So it's kind yeah. of, and then we get angry when they don't do it. 
How, how often would you see like a, a kid and you'd be like, when you see them, you've dealt with them and the parents are like, oh, I need you to fix them. And then you call the parents in for say a session or something. Would you just be like, yo, this is, you've copied and pasted your shit. Yeah. <laughs> into yeah. your kid you know what I mean like- I think the first time it kind of like realized it it was when I had a parent coming into my office and they were like ah oh, like my kid is so anxious and I don't know how to deal with it and their energy was just oh. yeah <laughs> and I'm like okay surely I can tell whether kid is you know kind of feeding this energy it's like you are in a constant you know flight or fright state mm. so the anxiety of course your child does not feel safe if you're like this all the time, if you're anxious about what's happening at school, if there's any issues with um, lessons, with how they're doing academically, all those all those things, and you're always in that state, your child cannot feel safe. He's, mm. So they're starting to feel anxious cause, all the time because you're teaching them in a way that there's something for them to worry about. Yeah. So it's all about kind of calming the parent down, teaching them the skills. So it's, you know, even when parents come to me, it's like, what can I do with my kid? I'm like, okay, what do you do when you're upset? What do you do when you're anxious? Well, nothing. I'm like, well, how are we <laughs> expecting our kid to, you know, to tell them to take a deep breath or go, you know, go in the room and do something calming when you don't do that when you're anxious? Yeah. So, you know, teaching our parents that it's not about hiding your negative emotions. It's about expressing them, but also teaching them how you deal with them. Mm. Yeah, so it's a lot of the parents are trying to all be just be happy and just not show any negative emotions. But our kids are growing up feeling all those emotions and they're like, what's wrong with me? I've mm. never seen mom, you know, get angry. I've never seen dad being anxious or sad. So why am I feeling those things? What's wrong with me? So then they start thinking that there's something wrong with them. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and it's so interesting. And, and like, I love this because I was like, I've seen when, when you speak to people, right, I've, I've found a different way of now myself trying to tap into like compassion and kindness towards someone yeah. when you realize like, Hey, they like they, that person may be responding from their own pain, experience, childhood. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to say trauma for just lack of yeah. a better word, but their yeah. childhood experience, sorry, mm. child experience that has led them to this, to respond this way. And, and a, a funny example is like, you know, my parents, when, whenever they were like fight, they would yell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am like, they were yeah. like the yelling type. So my, my, my modeling of this was like, when you are arguing or when you're in a when you're, you're tense or you're feeling aggression, you yell at each other, right? I actually thought this was normal. I, I legit yeah. like and, and people are like, why are you talking so loud in general when I get passionate <laughs> yeah. about things? Yeah. Or if I get angry, they're like, you know, it's it's a very big confrontation. You know, my wife pull like mm. I feel bad for her because she <laughs> in our earlier years had to deal with a lot of me until I understood this better, but had to deal with me like yelling at her. Whereas a flip side on her end, her understanding from her parents is like they never argued in front of her or anything yes. like that. So it was like quiet. So she would go down the quiet treatment. I would go mm. down over talking and yelling. Mm-hmm. And it was like to find the common ground of actually realizing yes. like, hey, this is not how communication is on either ends. We're kind of yeah. funny. We're, we're on like polar ends in this end, mm. in this example. But it was actually realizing that it was like, oh, wait, I don't like I've learned this from my mom and dad, but I don't need to show up that way anymore. Yeah, you know I can I mean? figure out my That's own way of way. communicating yeah. in, in my relationship. Yeah, but it takes, it takes a lot of work. And mm. yeah, like realizing that, as you said, not, not not knowing that it's normal. And that's the thing. Like you grow up in your family and you're like, this, this is what normality looks like for you. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've, I've said with a lot of my clients that grew up in a very chaotic environment and then they enter trying to enter um, relationships and when it's a calm, safe relationship, they feel uneasy. It's like, And they're looking to grab on, dra- on, on to dra- like drama because it's like this is not normal. 
I'm not mm. meant to feel this calm and this safe. Like, where's the chaos? So, yeah. And they're trying to seek the chaos because this is where what they used to. They used mm. to always have chaos around them. So it's kind of like like you, you realise how it's embedded within you, that sta- state of normality mm. and trying to figure that out. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And it, you can go it's so deep and trying to figure out all those things. Um, but yeah, but modeling is the number one. Like I've, another one. another example with a with a parent was that you know you have parents that come and yell and yell at the kids. You know, stop hitting or stop yelling. I say yelling. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like oh again that defeats of like you're yelling at them and telling them to stop yelling by yelling. Yeah. So we we are giving our kids mixed like mixed messages. Yeah. What What would be your 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 guidance then in these situations, especially because when you're talking about dealing with kids, so say say children with trauma mm. or like who are experiencing like trauma and mm. they don't know how to regulate their emotions, how would you actually help that in a child? Um, are we talking about yeah? We're talking about children, yeah. Children, yeah. I realize yeah. I said in a child, yeah, but I mean in a child. In a child, yes. That's yeah. what I was like, but oh. we'll, we'll probably touch on in a yes, child stuff for adults later on. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yes. Yeah, so, and that's the thing. My work during school was to work with children mostly. So, obviously, being at a school, my primary clients were kids. Mm. So, my job was to teach them all those things, how to regulate emotions, you know, how to communicate their emotions. Um, And you you do the best you can. You teach them all those things. And some of the kids were doing so great and they're trying because kids want to be accepted. Mm. Kids want to please adults especially their parents, they want to feel loved. So they want to do the right thing. You know, sometimes they just don't have the capacity. So being able to teach them and you see them trying in the classrooms when they get aggravated and trying to like use the skills that we learn in our sessions. Um, However, you don't know what happens at home. You know, if a child gets angry at home and we're like, okay, well, Chloe said I need to do this and this and this, but then they don't have the capacity to do it at home because the environment isn't there or the parent doesn't tell them okay like I can see you angry go to you know go to a quiet room and do what you need to do you know if they don't understand what um what they're going through if their parents are not at the same page as well and they Mm -hmm. just see them that they need to deal with it then it's unfortunately it's not as helpful you know it's the same that there are kids that you know do it as well by themselves as sad as it is you know my you know one is so hard to please their teachers and the parents that they try and learn how to regulate their emotions alone without mm. any modeling around them and you know? is there like a core feeling then that these kids are like because like when you're sharing this love you said love before right mm. is it love is it safety like what do kids actually is there like an underlying theme that you found that this is what kids are looking for like when they're yeah. actually feeling a big emotion so yeah. we'll say big emotion being whatever anger stress anxiety mm. Um, you know, or, or even sometimes you dangerous euphoria, you know, when you're too happy and you can be a bit yeah. reckless and stuff. When someone's feeling a big emotion, what is the underlying reason for it? Or like, not, not feeling a big emotion, sorry. What's the under, underlying reason of not being able to regulate? Is it they're looking or seeking safety or they need more safety or more love? Most of it is seeking connection. Okay. Connection, okay. acceptance. Yeah. And most kids want to want to be seen and be heard. Yeah. you know, which we don't usually, you know, we don't like, they're not important. We don't, you know, they're just kids, yeah. you know. So, but yeah, be seen, be heard, seek connection and seek acceptance. Feel that they're worthy and that they're wanted. 
You know, when when we shame our kids, when we constantly tell them off, when we say things like, why are you like this? Or just stop crying or just go, you know, just leave out of there. I'm busy right now. We, you know, the message that they get is like, they don't want us. They don't love us. We are wanted. Mm. Yeah. There's something wrong with us. So you start, they start feeling like that, that shame and they start feeling that they're just not good enough. There's something wrong with me. Yeah. You know, I'm not important enough to be heard. I'm not important enough to be seen. Yeah, And these are the messages that most of us, even as adults now, I'm trying to heal from childhood. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's, 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 th- those are the main ones. Like the, the, the feeling that we're not good enough, that we're not wanted, um, that we're not accepted for who we truly are, that we need to change in order yeah. for someone to love us. And what's something you, do you have any advice on, on what you can give kids or help kids from a parent's side to regulate? Um, you know? Yeah. So th- there's so much, but the, the most important is to be able to regulate your own emotions first as a yeah. parent, you know, because yeah. kids will do things to test our boundaries to, mm-hmm. as they explore the world, they will do things. So they're learning, you know? So the, the, the number one thing that I do tell parents is lower your expectations. First of all, you know, I see, uh, I see parents telling off kids, three-year-old kids for, you know, for hitting their sibling, you know, for slapping their sibling because they got angry because they grabbed something um, or they're not being able to share and yelling at them for not sharing. Three years old. Yeah. We're adults. I know I don't like to share my stuff. <laughs> like, like being able to, you know, expect if I was reading a book and someone came and said, I want that book now. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm reading it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Like wait for me to finish. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not expected to give it to them right away because they ask for it. Yeah. But we're expecting yeah. three years for to do that. But it's that mm. lower expectations that we expect expecting three years to not hit, to not yell, to not. But we we know there's adults that still do that. Mm. We know there are adults that still show violence, that still scream, that still yell when they're angry. Mm. So, it, yeah. but we're expecting kids to not do that and know how to do it without us teaching them. Yeah. <laughs> be nice be gentle like but without showing them how to do that so it's first of all it's that kind of like lowering our expectations and reminding ourselves that there are children they're still learning they've been here for two years three years six years eight years even we've been here for like 30 40 years mm. like and we're still learning we still have days when we crack it with our partner you know and we swear or we say something like it's I think lowering our expectations is the first one and then learning to manage our emotions. So when we do get angry, you know, because our, our child broke something that we really liked or wrote on the walls, being be, before we react, being able to identify, okay, well, I'm feeling angry right now. What do I need? And I take a deep breath. I know that kid didn't do it on purpose. You know, I know it's learning. It's okay to give consequences. That's completely okay. It doesn't mean, you know, but regulate your emotion. Rather than scream, no, stop it, you bad, leave the room without any understanding. Because most of the kids are like, what just happened? I don't even know what I did wrong. Yeah. You know, being able, once we regulate our emotions, we can still be assertive, go down to their level, you know, have, you know, tell them what's happening, you know, tell them how you're feeling, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and being able to kind of give a consequence through that. But regulating the emotions is the first thing. And being humans, you know what's going to do this because you might be tired, you might be busy, and you might kind of, you know, react in a certain way that you might, you know, regret later. And then that's where apology happens. So showing them that we make mistakes as well as parents. 
we can lose our, you know, shit sometimes and that's okay. Like we're humans. But how do we fix that relationship? We can go back to them and apologize. And that's another big thing that our generation as kids never got, apologies from our parents, especially as children because mm, no, the parents were always right. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and, and that was the thing. It was such a, yeah. I, I just, I really, I'm, I'm jotting down notes because I'm yeah. like, I love the way you've said that, right? Like yeah. lowering expectations, mm. huge because it's like, and look, I'm a little, I'm a dog parent at the moment. So <laughs> yeah. uh, relating this into just being a dog parent, yeah. it's like, yeah, sometimes we put these unrealistic expectations mm. on on people, animals, whatever the case may yes. be in this situation. Like I can imagine that so easily coming to kids going like, wait, why do they not respond to this? And it's like, mm. they're three years old, they're two years old, they're five years old. It's like, they're still learning, right? Yeah. That regulating our own emotions is so powerful because if you're talking about like the kids modeling, we they're going to model from whatever we respond to how we respond and stuff yeah. like that. So if we start creating a bit more awareness in our body, it's going to have a massive impact. And then the last part you were saying is like showing them that it's okay to make mistakes mm-hmm. and that apologizing. I was of like, course. yeah, yeah, it was, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think back myself on my own childhood. And I, I know that wasn't something that often came easy. Um, it was usually after like, you know, we did something and it was like, like it, it went to the next extreme. Then like, if there was something wrong that my dad would ever, you know, or my parents would ever apologize, apologize. in that sort of sense, yeah. you know? And it's not that I don't think they didn't want to apologize, but it's like, again, were they given that, as kids for themselves when they were kids did their parents give them that yeah but there also this sad misconception that if i apologize to my kid i'm giving their my power to them yeah like it's a hierarchy like i'm you know i'm meant to be you know higher than my kid like if i apologize that means i'm going down to their level yeah which is this is what we need to do though you know you know it's it there's getting rid of that idea that we're parents and we own our kids and we're here and they meant to be doing whatever we tell them that we, you know, they're here to listen to us and kind of like breaking all that and be like, no, we're here to learn from each other, to teach mm. things to each other. And we're here to guide our children, yeah, into the be the best versions of themselves and hopefully be better than us, you know. But we can do that without coming, having that kind of like power over them. I feel that we have that power over them. Um, so apologizing is so important and apologizing for the way we responded, you know, mm. and tell them that, you know, sorry that mommy, you know, yelled at you. Like I, I think it was a little bit too harsh and I took some time to reflect on this. And I know that mm. next time I get angry, yeah. I think I might take a minute to go to the other room, take a, you know, um, take a shower, take a few deep breaths and then come, you know, and come and chat to you. So by doing that, you're not only apologizing, but you also keeping yourself accountable because you're telling them what you would like to do next time and also teaching them ways to deal with their emotions. Yeah. Yeah, when they're feeling that angry. Um, So next time they do that with a friend, they can go and apologize as well. You know, so it's kind of like passing on that lesson through experience, through moral link, rather than just telling them when you do something wrong, go apologize. You know, mm. really understanding the way the the purpose of an apology. You're not yeah. just saying sorry. You know, you just you know you're reflecting on your own behavior and understanding how it affected them, and then yeah. taking accountability of what you're going to do next time. So there's yeah. a few little steps. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's beautiful because mm. I was like, even I was just feeling into that of what you're saying, mm. and I'm like, imagine the difference of the impact we would have, or yes. the kids that would start becoming being raised. Yes. just following some simple things of us like like i feel like one of the things that stood out the most is just us regulating understanding our own emotions mm. and leading from experience you know yeah. like us yes. stepping into that that place of like it's okay for us to be vulnerable yeah. if we want our kids to actually learn and grow up healthy and exactly. and the thing that i find so like it's such a challenge is we've 
the society right now like has created this thing of like a good kid and a bad kid mm. you know and i feel like them putting these definitions and labels underneath each category of a good kid does a b c d yeah bad kid does x y z um okay. it, I, I feel like that's so difficult because then all of a sudden it's like you, you even when you're talking about that that expectations then you're, you're going to be creating inevitably these expectations on your kids of like hey that's what a good kid does or a good kid is, is response like this and all that stuff and it's like society as a whole i think like has kind of messed up on this one of like these labels of a good and bad because there's of no course. such good and bad as long as there's understanding of explaining how we can actually change the 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 habit if it's if it's an unhealthy habit to something that is actually more empowering and more healthy for the kid but it's okay. like i i and, and the reason why i say changing it from like good and bad to this kind of different variation and mm-hmm. i would love to hear if you have a better definition of what, mm-hmm. what you see but it's because i realize like some people are like oh it's good to always just respect your elders and always listen and don't speak up or don't don't talk back to your elders that's like that is not good when you get older, there is mm-hmm. reasons why we have issues with speaking with other people or, or say people with, you know, who are older than us, who, you know, are treating us rudely. We won't stand up for ourselves because we're never taught yeah. to stand up for ourselves when we're younger because yeah. you're told never to talk back to your elders, yes. you know, like a, a, as an example. But that's yeah. what a good kid does, yeah. you know. You're um, obedient, you're quiet, you just sit there and do what, you know, what you're told. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was, yeah. so I was like, what's your thoughts on, on, on just the, the concept of good and bad or oh. do you see it differently, I guess? No, yeah, exactly what you said. And actually from like from working with my clients, what I realized it's the lack of self-love that we have as a generation all stems from that, mm. from having that wow. innate um, belief when you were little that I'm bad. Yeah, I'm not a good girl. I'm not a good boy. I'm bad. They keep telling me I'm a bad boy. You know, I'm mm. naughty. You know, that label rather than focusing on the behavior. So focusing on the person of who you are as a person rather than your behavior. Mm. I'm not bad. I might have done a bad, you know, a bad thing or like my behavior was naughty, but I'm not as a person, I'm not bad. Yeah. I make mistakes like anyone else. Like we make mistakes and we learn. So one of the other things that we do go through with parents is teaching them like how to change their language around this, how to um, kind of change behaviors through focusing on the behavior rather than just labeling a kid you're naughty you're being bad now you know go to your room you know that was bad you know really kind of targeting what you did you know was not appropriate or like kind of like reflecting on the consequence of the behavior yeah are you pushing that child you know what do you think happened you know so then kind of like going through through that rather than calling that calling you bad as a person because so many of us have this innate belief deep down you know that shame that belief that wow shit like we hurt someone we're bad we you know we yelled at someone we're bad you know kind of that and we still carry on that as adults you know that's where that shame that negative talk comes that instantly we we make this like we as a core person bad which we're not we as a core person are perfect they're where we are with our mistakes with our shadow selves our behaviors still as adults might not be, you know, and I don't, and I don't even like saying the right one, you know, because what is right and what is yeah, wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just maybe the appropriate one at that point or every behavior has a consequence and whatever behavior we choose has its appropriate consequence. Yeah. And, you know, being, teaching our kids to learn from that. And consequence doesn't mean punishing them. It means, okay, you know, you you stole from a friend. Now that friend doesn't want to be your friend anymore. Yeah. You know? So yeah. 
that is the consequence of your behavior in, in a way. Like things happen from things, you know. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to grieve that relationship. What do you want to do out of this? Do you want to try to fix that relationship? Do you want to, you know, do you want to um, restore this relationship? How do you want to do this? Is it through apology? Is it through crying something from it? Is it to talking? You know, so this is how we teach our kids to just kind of um, take the next step after they do something wrong. Um and I think I went through a bit of a rant. No, but, no, no, no. This is uh, this is like you don't understand how like I feel like it's so important for like myself even hearing mm-hmm. hearing this and other people because it's like this is so important. And and, and yeah. even we're talking about this when we go into inner child work in a yeah. in a moment when we talk about adulthood, yeah. it's it ties directly to all these experiences <laughs> that like we're talking about kids. It doesn't matter if I don't have kids, you know, you you don't have kids yet. It's like it doesn't mean that we can't understand these concepts and it doesn't apply to us. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like your interactions with kids as a whole. Is so influential and impactful, like other kids, for whether it's your family, your nieces, your nephews, etc., to like show up in this right, healthy way, so that you can start creating that more awareness for them and 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 showing up in a modeled figure that actually allows them to know that it's okay. I, I think that mistake part, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you yes. own up to it, you understand yeah. it, you know the consequences and the ramifications of it, mm-hmm. um, and 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 removing. Yeah, I really want to like. I hate the stigma of uh, you're oh he's a good kid or she's a yeah. bad kid or naughty kid. Yes. It's like no, no, I don't think that's that's true, you know. And and, and which uh, kind of brought me to the one of the things you said was the idea of like just because you've done a bad thing doesn't make you a bad kid, mm-hmm. right? Or a bad child. It's the same thing. Like I, I feel like yeah, when I when it's something I'm, I'm I always kind of talk about actually with other people when it, 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 we're trying to change a behavior or you're trying to move out of being an angry person. It, it's that feeling of like allow yourself to feel the feeling. Same with a kid. Like when they're going through something, right? It's like allow yourself to feel the feeling. So I can feel angry and aggression move throughout me, mm-hmm. but I don't need to identify as that feeling. I am not an angry or aggressive person. Exactly. I'm you know feeling what I mean? angry. Yeah. 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 And I was just like, yeah. So when when you when you were sharing that with the kids, I was like, yeah, the kids can may have done something bad. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. And obviously, this is actions compared to feelings, but it's the same sort of principle. I feel like applies in that. Exactly. Yeah. Because once we we identify as I am, we it's so powerful. Our brain listens. Our body listens. Mm. You know, it's the same. It's the same idea as affirmations and mantras. You know, when we yeah. say something positive, we want to make it I am. We want to embody it. Yes. But when we embody the, you know, the stress and the anger and the idea of being bad, then we actually embody that. Yeah. And you know, that's why when we have, you know, um, a kids that are defined at school and you just, you know, see them, they seem like constantly angry and pick, like they've embodied this this idea. And they tell me, it's like, well, everyone expects me to do that. Everyone thinks I'm, ang- I'm bad anyway. So they actually embody this idea that I'm the naughty school, uh, naughty kid at school. So they start playing into the identity that everyone school... everyone says that they are, and everyone puts. So it's kind of like what well, they expect me to respond yeah. this certain way because everyone has been saying it for the last three four years. Yeah. You know, so it's it's and I, and I see it so much, and it's so important. And then being able to change that identity is so hard, you know. Mm. And you're gonna push onto a brick wall for so long. But and they're gonna push back and they wanna see that you're gonna stay there. They might yeah. swear at you, they might try to hit you, but knowing that you're not going anywhere, that you're still there for them, you still accept them, even though they might be, you know, then they're gonna start softening up. They're gonna say, like, okay, they see me for who I am. I don't have to yeah. keep being this angry child. Yeah. That's yeah. what I loved doing in my sessions. <sighs> you know, but unfortunately, 
you know, not everyone has a, you know, uninterrupted hour a week with a child to just sit there and just let them be angry in the room without getting in trouble. You know, because yeah. I have just kind of throw things in the room, play with, play, rip stuff, expressing their anger without getting in trouble. Yeah. You know? And then when they knew that I was still there, I didn't go anywhere, you know, and obviously in safe, you know, um, in the safe um, ways, then you're like, okay, maybe I don't have to be this angry person all the time. Mm. You know, like letting their shell come down. Yeah, yeah. I was like, did you find that you were able to, be super impactful in these situations with kids like this or do you find that it was because of the impact that they the, or the identity that they may have already adopted it just it needs a lot more work and attention but more from that parent, parenting guidance um, guardian kind of perspective yeah. um some some to be honest not as much as i would like to because it, it, it needs to be their whole approach unfortunately mm. especially when you are in an educational system in a school system it's very different yeah mm. you have the rules you have to follow you have to the guidelines that you have to follow with suspension with expansion like um so it's it's really tricky and you have so many staff members that see that behavior very differently Mm, you know, wow. and so many opinions. So it's it's really hard. You know, you have teachers like everyone that have different beliefs around being a good child, and that that behavior is intolerable. You know, which is you know some of it. Yeah, like it can be really aggressive, but seeing past the behavior, and some some teachers seeing them as bad. Why are they still here? They should be suspended. You know, uh, so and then you have the other ones that are more empathetic. Yeah. Um, and you you know you as a therapist, you know the past you know, the family history and you are more empathetic, but not all staff members know that. Yeah. They just, yeah. you know, in their mind, they're like, they're not a kid. So yeah, yeah. when when you're in a system like this, unfortunately, it is pretty hard because yeah. not, not everyone is on the same page. Um, and unfortunately, even the parents can't do, um, can't show up empathetically for their child because they're still dealing with their own trauma. Mm. And, and even even as you're saying that, it's like, it, even for teachers right and it's yeah. and it's something to give compassion and kindness with teachers but teachers are, are parents they're just like in a different suit in the sense of like the teachers are responding in the same way like you said like they may not have known or been taught themselves no. how to fully regulate their emotions and things like that that may lead them to being less compassionate or identifying and labeling kids in certain ways yeah. and, and it's not to say it's easy you know in a classroom so it's kind of like at that Point, you know they have to also protect the other 24 kids Co correct correct that's what i was trying to say so yeah. like this is not this thing this is actually going like yeah there, there's a lot more in, involved in that but that's what i was like yeah it's yeah there's a lot and unless our educational system changes you know i think you know we can't efficiently support our children at the yeah. moment you know and there, there's some great success stories you know don't get me wrong yeah. great success stories with children um but overall i feel like there's a lot of changes that need to happen um yeah. in our system in order to like support not just the teachers but look at the whole generation you know it's, yeah yeah which is why obviously you started i can see the the connecting the dots <laughs> coming through from like you know studying psychology working with kids through yeah. to then going like well, the actual problem, it's it, it doesn't start at kids, it's mm -hmm. generational, right? So it starts before the kids, you know, and I, and I guess you stepping into now, you do quite a bit of work with adults, especially with couples and all with Mindfully Loved. Talk yeah. me through that journey and like what kind of sprouted the idea with that, how it kind of yes. moved in. 
Yeah, well, I think when I mentioned before that, like, when I started having that feeling that I wasn't doing enough at schools, that's when I started kind of, like, reflecting and trying to think what is the best way? How can I tackle this, you know? I know there's a lot of parenting um, specialists out there that work with parents and they do all this work. And from my conversations with parents, they're just always overwhelmed, always busy. The parents are always overwhelmed? Yeah. Like, overall, the parents are just... They're busy, they don't have the time, um, they're working, they're parenting, they're all, doing all those things. And when I had meetings with the parents and I would come out with suggestions and tips, you would see them just like, shit, like, how do I, how do, I do all these things? Wow. I don't even know where to start. And, you know, and I feel for them. It, it is hard, you know, and then reflecting that there's a lot of work that you need to do. You need to go talk to someone. You need to learn how to manage your own emotions. Um, but then I understand that. When do you do that? If you're yeah. working full time, if you then have your kids, you know, setting them up for bed, cooking for them, and then you know, when when do you fit that in? So yeah. then, like, yeah. I reflected, how about taking a step back even further, and encouraging and um, supporting couples to do this work before becoming parents? Because mm. we have all the time in the world, mm. and we don't just have that time, but we have the capacity to spend a day in bed. Because we've, you know, we've had a realization about our past and we are dealing with a lot of emotions and we want to spend a whole day in bed crying, you know, mm. and grieving stuff. But like when you're a parent, you don't have that privilege, unfortunately. Yeah. And I started reflecting on couples entering that conception journey already being aware with the, you know, of the trauma. And I'm not saying healed because we never stop healing, you know. Yeah, and I, I now know that entering parenthood is a big chapter of healing. Like, you know, in order, like, you need parenthood in order to, like, um, start digging in a different path of of your healing. But already becoming, already entering that journey with, by becoming aware that I am carrying some stuff. You you don't have to necessarily heal it all, but just becoming aware, it's already a big step. And also tapping into some of the emotional intelligence kind of being able to learn how to communicate just with your partner, your feelings. Um, recognize how you are feeling because most of us still don't know how to do that. Mm. Like, I think I'm okay. Like, you know, I'm not angry. I'm yeah. not crying. I'm not sad. I don't know what else I'm feeling. You know, being able to explore that vocabulary of emotions. Yes. You know, yeah. and as simple as when people ask us, we just, how are you? Yeah, good. You? You know, it's a very basic good. And even me, and like I've done all this work and I'm still like, okay, what else can I say? Yes, it, yeah. It's a challenge. And you also don't want to say something that will make the other person uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You, 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 Like what you're saying is so true because I was yeah. like, how often, like like I've had things, uh, sadly, like friends when they, when people ask me, hey, how are you? I don't like giving the standard answer. So if someone asks me how I am, I'm like, I will reply honestly. I've been good, man. I've gone through da 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 da. This is what's been happening. Oh, hey, now I've been a bit shitty. I've gone through this, and I'll be very. I'll try to be vulnerable with it. Yeah. Now here I'm having this conversation, but sometimes friends respond and and receive it differently, and sometimes they'll take it, going like, "Oh, yeah. dude, when I ask you uh, how are you, I just want I'm good. That's it. Like, where, <laughs> like they, 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 they I don't mean about how you are. I don't really care. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I just kind of ask to be polite, and it's like you know those the shallow, not not in a bad way. I kind of see the time and place for different conversations, course, but it's course. like in those environments, they're just like, oh yeah, like I don't care. Like the how are you's lost its depth sometimes. I think that's why yeah. like it's it's funny in like work situations or even like you know having one-on-one coaching conversations with people sometimes i found that 
how are you? You actually have to ask them like three, four times to honestly peel back all the freaking layers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Until they finally go like, actually, this is how I am. You yeah. know, because and, and it happens. And it's like I, I say work is a good example for this, um, for me at least, where it's like, yeah, sometimes I'm like, you know, it's been a tough week, a tough month, whatever. I'm like, how are you? And like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And that's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Then I'll chat, chat, chat seriously though how are you and they're like yeah like look it's been a bit difficult okay okay cool chat chat and it's like honestly be honest with me pull yeah. it back how are you how are you? and yeah. then you like that third how are you it's like <laughs> i do it in three they're like oh yeah yeah it just like it comes crying yeah. out but i get it i get it and it's like yeah like you said there's it's just so many barriers sometimes even to adults having that conversation and and, and creating the awareness mm. to be able to show up and talk with you because I, I feel like one is when you're trying to create this awareness having a community around you is so important yeah. And, and to lean on to leverage and stuff like that and it's also so challenging when you're trying to you're like okay i'll try to show like i said i tried to show up honestly and vulnerably but then to kind of be met with you know i'm, I'm interpreting it as rejection but when someone's like oh i didn't really want to, i didn't care i just wanted to, like a high level answer i didn't want to have a dnm or you know no. a ted talk with you or something like that right you're like oh i get it i i respect that but it's also like oh i feel a bit rejected so what 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 do you do i guess within your own relationships and stuff to create more awareness mm. to also create safety and uh, create space for yourself to talk, uh, you know, vulnerably, honestly. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, it it, dep- it goes through waves because, you know, like everyone else, life gets into, you know, um, into a bit of a role and you go into a bit of a, of a routine and there's days, and I'm going to be honest, there's days that I don't even know how I'm feeling, you know, mm-hmm. unless I actually take a time to check in with myself, mm. really tap into how I'm feeling, how was today, and that's where, you know, journaling comes in. That's where, like, little check-in times during the day with yourself comes in when you're able to take a deep breath and just kind of feel in your body, feel physically if you have any tension, and then kind of reflect on what's happening in the day and how you are feeling if you're holding any emotions. You know, it's really easy to just go through the day and not even pay attention to it. Um, You know, so if I'm not doing that, it will probably come up in, you know, in something very small that I get mm. triggered and it just, you know, comes out and you're like, oh, shit, like what just happened? Yeah. Oh, what about this? You know, and then you're like, okay, let's start looking into it. <laughs> Definitely shows up a lot more, I feel like, in relationships because then yeah. you're like, why did you do that? You're like, oh, okay, oh. wait, wait. They, they just yeah. left the dishes there. It wasn't- yeah, exactly. It's not about yeah. the dishes. Um, but then when you start reflecting, it's the – and uncovering, it might be the same kind of core need that you had that's mm-hmm. just coming up in different ways. That it might be like, yeah. I feel like I'm not heard. You know, I've yeah. told you to put the dishes away so many times. Yeah. And this time you didn't, I feel that you'd never hear me. It, it becomes a very generalized thing. If I've heard, if I felt that in a few, you know, a few times during the week, I felt that, you, you know, my partner didn't hear me or, you know, so it's that need of being heard usually, of being mm-hmm. seen. You know, really, like, you don't you don't see me for who I am, you know. And that's mm-hmm. when the the other person asking what you said before, I really liked, like that. But really, how are you? You know, mm-hmm. constantly sitting there and keep asking. You see the person, like I see you, like I see past mm-hmm. your. I'm good, like I'm here, so I'm ready to. I'm ready. I'm ready for you to just kind of unload because I'm here for you. Yeah. Um. So the power of being seen and being heard, and the the need that I'm, I'm wanted. Yeah, like mm. say that I feel like you want, like I'm wanted, like mm, yeah. I'm accepted, I'm wanted by someone. 
you know so then most of the times when you are get tricked when you get triggered and you like snap or get angry or cry once you kind of like reflect and take a step back and reflect and reflect and reflect and go back 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 what's the underlying reason of that emotion most of the time is i'm just not feeling loved yeah you know i'm so surprised actually how like it's like you know i don't want to be like love 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 it's always love but it's like it's 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 that self-love self-love yeah it, it, it you know it's been imprinted on us from the kids and what we learn and and what we didn't learn maybe even as well um but as we get to older years it, it is so interesting how often it's just like oh i just want to feel like it's like core emotions of like i just want to yeah. feel loved yeah i want to feel safe yes. yeah i want to feel um because like even like being understood i i kind of link that for myself it's it's yeah. been often tied into i just want to feel safe Mm-hmm. yeah because when i'm understood i feel people understand me i feel safe then yeah, and you when i'm safe, safe i can let my guard down i can be Correct. who i truly am i don't yeah. have to put a mask on because i yeah. know i know i'm safe to be who i am and i know i'm gonna still be accepted yeah yeah and these and these are the parts that i was like it, society will be such a better safer more pleasant mm-hmm. place um more safe i say safer in the sense of even just understanding each other better if we allowed for people to drop those masks and Mm -hmm. to allow for people to drop those masks we have to be able to like face our own shit to drop those masks which funnily enough leads into what we're i was gonna i was talking about with inner child work um in that sense of like because i know you're very passionate about some of the stuff Mm -hmm. you're doing with this inner child work maybe give a little bit of a definition of what inner child work is to you well so first of all like what like inner child is so inner child is the idea that all of us as adults have that inner child within us, that childhood version of us inside us. And any needs that we were not given as a child are still come up to as um, as adults. Mm-hmm. So if that inner child within us, when, when we were little, felt unloved, felt not accepted, felt that we were bad, that we were always naughty, doing those ne- we're still holding that child within us. So those come up, manifest in different ways as adults. So when it comes to inner child healing, we are connecting with that inner self of us within us. And we are reparenting that child. So we parent that child the way we wished we were parented as children. Mm. I like that. We tell that child within us what we didn't hear growing up. You are loved, you are accepted. You are wanted. I see you. I hear you. You are safe. You know, and uh, there's there's so much in the inner child healing. Like, um, there's and there's different ways you can do this. But you know, one of the most um, like one of the ones that I really like is when you are feeling a big trigger. You know, you can tap into them like, okay, what? When did when did I first feel feel that feeling growing up? You know, what age was it? You know, and some people can tap into you know into this really quickly they can say i felt it first when i was four years old so you know you connect with that four year old you know child um and you give them what they needed at that time Mm. you know instead of being shamed for um for being silly in front of a family gathering you know you imagine yourself and it all comes through visualization you imagine yourself hugging them playing with them allowing them to be silly and be silly Mm. with you you know, so it's, there's, you know, there's that way of communing with, with connecting with your inner child and telling them what you want, parenting them the way you wanted to parent. Mm-hmm. But there's also another side where you as an adult become more childlike. Mm-hmm. So you play more, you know, you start being more silly in your life. So you connect with that inner child 
in in a way you're accepting that in a child you're accepting that in a that that child like um self for you so that's when you start being more playful loving being out being messy um connecting with nature you know all those things that children do becoming more curious about being wondrous you know so and yeah like it's there's 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 a lot when it comes to inner child healing but it's 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 very powerful and the way i see it is the way the moment we go back and we heal our wound from our childhood from that inner child it instantly heals that as an adult yeah yeah just kind of like feeling it with love in a way again goes back to love but feeling it with love and acceptance and and this is this is something this what I love I love about this and this the, you know the the whole point of this podcast is like going inwards to go onwards and mm-hmm. it's not just about just inner child stuff but it's actually going like healing uh, I I found whenever I do myself in in a child work or I do shadow work or deeper work on myself like whenever I do that there is two parts that I, I started making a lot more sense one was reparent and I love the word reparenting mm. how would you treat your, how would you approach the situation now how would you reparent yourself yeah. given what you know now and the understanding you know now you know um and I love that idea so it's like reparenting that situation to be something that you're like this is what I needed as a child and now filling that void with that love that compassion that kindness of what like you know little or little Kyle needs you know or needed back then that's the one part is like you're changing you're rewriting that story now right you're changing the fundamental foundation you've changed the foundations of the story from here though the other part is integration because what i realized is recently with a lot of the stuff i've been doing it's like oh man i've changed this 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 meaning this is the, the understanding i've had for myself i've given myself that reparenting and that love that i needed but then i was like oh but can the the integration i, I used to always think it was a passive thing you know, integration just happens to me. I will sit back and then everything in my unconscious mind will digest all this information, spit it back, and I'll be like, oh, yes, I am my best version right now. No. Only, yeah, it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was like, it's the hardest part. It's the hardest part. And I was like, Plus, I wish someone like. Yeah. Well, fail in a way, like I think like we, you know, we find it hard to implement. Yeah, because yeah. accountability comes into place. Correct, 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 correct. And and this is and it's not just the accountability comes in place. It it, it repetition. Like the biggest thing with integration, I found is repetition of the new action, behavior, feeling that you want to start mm-hmm. like you know uh, uh, um, uh, living out, mm-hmm. right? Um, but what was the challenge is that I was like, yeah, because the integration when the way I started realizing and looking at this is integration is now going. All those beliefs, all those patterns that you did, all those habits you did, all the actions you took, mm-hmm. it's rechanging those that have been so conditioned yes. because of repetition you've done for so long, for the last X amount of years, you've you held on to this trigger or this trauma mm-hmm. to like now it's like, oh my gosh, no wonder it's so hard because it's like, yeah, I've just conditioned myself for so long. So yes, now I've, I've given myself an empowering foundation, right? Yeah. So I've like, you know, given myself a new foundation. But now I need to go into these layers of actually going like now, yeah, 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 changing the pattern. So mm. how the heck do I do this? Pattern? And I was like, oh, that was that's hard, and that's where I think like the community, the people around you, and all that yeah. can be so important, of course, yeah. you know, and so powerful. Yeah. Um, I know we've gone off a tangent, but <laughs> bring it, us there. It's part of any healing journeys, you know, that mm. integration part, and you know, as simple as when I, when I say, you know, tell you your inner child, I'm safe, I'm calm, I'm loved. You know, how do I implement all those things on a daily basis? How do I remind yeah. my inner child that they are loved on a daily basis? What are some things I, I can do during the day? Mm. You know, I can, it can be be playful. It can be trying a new sport. It can be going to like a trampoline park, you know, once a month. You know, so it's really then 
you add the behaviors. Because at the end of the day, we are now in human form. So yeah. we need to start implementing those things in like human form. So behavior-wise, what can we start implementing little things on a daily basis to yeah. continue reminding ourselves of those things? Yeah. yeah. And, and is this now the work you're doing with couples? Is it going into a lot of this inner child shadow work? Is it, um, yeah, well, what's the kind of process that you currently do now with couples? Yes. So through Mindfully Loved, we have our program, an eight-week program called Mindfully Healing, and we dive into everything that we've said plus more um you know we do a lot of the we do a lot of the self-awareness part or a lot of the inner child healing so we um we go through a lot of weeks of the um self-exploration and awareness and self-healing where we mm. go into those different modalities teaching them um how to change the limiting beliefs how to become aware of their self-talk of the negative thinking and how to challenge those as well so in a way take control of mm. you know thoughts of emotions of feelings and how to tackle that we go through in a healing then we do a lot of relationship work as well so how to communicate yeah. um, with your partner yeah. you know exploring self and um, um, love languages so mm. understanding each other's love languages how do you show love to each other all those things we go through emotional intelligence so you know because I, I love I love that and being able to understand our emotions communicating emotions um learning ways to do with your emotions how do you self-soothe mm. you know like we we expecting babies to soothe themselves you know when they're crying like don't pick them up they need to learn how to self-soothe you know newborns yeah but we have adults that you know and I ask this question a lot and a lot of my friends and family don't know like what do you do to soothe yourself when you're not feeling well mm. you know yeah. and not most of them like don't do anything yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Like ignore it, suppress it, and they just keep going. Nowadays, we don't take that time to rock ourselves, you know, have mm. in the shower. And it's mostly sensory, you know, but just yeah. finding what works for you. Wrap yourself in a blanket, you know, cry, take deep breaths, shower, go for a walk, like having your own toolkit, you know, and know what works for you for when you're feeling a little bit blah, knowing that, knowing that you have the power to self-soothe and that yeah. you... You deserve that time to self-soothe. You know, we go through that big part and then we also move into kind of preparing for conception, you know, because yeah. we big advocates of not just self-love but um, also slow living. So we have a big part of self-love as well. And then how, you, how can you set up a life, you know, entering parenthood when you do feel slow, when you do kind of, you know, slowing down everything, intentional, very um, intentional, very sustainable um, kind of life moving forward. Um, and that's when you have the conversations with your partner. How do you imagine mm. to be? You know, how do you want to be a parent? How do you want the energy of the house to be? And what can we do now to, you know, have this once parenthood has? What are support systems? So you start having those conversations. And I always say this, like you can't do this early, you know, like the earlier you start having those conversations, the better it is. Because you kind of like create an, an idea, you create a visualization of how you want yourself to be as a parent. So you kind of like prepare yourself to enter this journey with the skills that you want to have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like, look, each of those, there's so many different topics you covered that yeah. I was like, each of those, you could spend yonks talking about. You know what I mean? Um, and, and that's why I was like, that's why I like that even the way you encompassed inner child work, mm. it's not just going like, oh, here's the, the the different, you know, trauma or the experience I had as a child that, you know, I need to change or, you know, reparent myself on. 
it's actually like everything around it from the behaviors the the flow and effect to um i like the way like when you talked about soothing it's like yeah we do like i was i was just thinking about that mm. that thought you said with soothing and i was like in today's society i find that like we don't know how to self-soothe so what do we do we kind of go to vices to self-soothe right we we will we'll, we'll drink excessively we'll gamble we'll smoke we'll um whatever drugs alcohol numb quickly we're numb yeah yeah and 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 it's it's it was so interesting because i realized like um and this is something that I, I went through for myself uh in, in, in one of these um reflections i had for myself i actually went to and understood that like you know that when things were getting tough like say with within my relationship mm-hmm. i actually started becoming numb to certain parts of the relationship because when things were tough it was like oh okay if i don't do certain actions i won't get rejected and if i don't get rejected i won't be unhappy so you know what i'm not even going to feel into that or even do it, so i'll just completely block it off yeah. but then that numbness plays out in different ways right because that numbness meant me not showing up wholesome or completely for my wife for my partner mm-hmm. you know um it also meant that like that numbness meant that like the feeling like when you numb one area of your life you actually numb all areas in in, in a certain level because it's like that numbness is the stopping of full expression of emotions mm-hmm. and i feel that full expressions of emotions when you actually allow for the like when you allow yourself to feel then you really feel like both the highs and the lows just as and you see the beauty in both of them right um but yeah that numbness i was like wow that's that's yeah it was a sorry just it took me off on a, a, no. a trail thought but i was like yeah that numbness is such a easy thing we do because we haven't ever been taught about self-soothing yeah you know? and exactly and most of us are scared to feel any uncomfortable feelings mm. we have this fear of pain or uncomfortable feelings so most of us hate feeling upset hate feeling sad mostly it's heart sadness that we don't like mm. you know and we're scared to feel sad because at that moment we think we're always going to feel like this, yeah. You know, so that reminder that everything is te- temporary, nothing is permanent. Every emotion is going to come and go, you know. But we, in this society now, and it comes with physical pain, emotional pain, everything. We are just so scared of pain, mm. you know, and any discomfort, not just pain, any discomfort, you know. And we try to avoid it in all every every way, you know. Even that when you said like that fear of rejection. You know, it's that fear of like, I don't want to get hurt. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, so many people don't enter relationships because of the fear that they might get hurt after. So they miss out on all the other possibilities of all the other beautiful emotions for just, you know, that percentage of maybe I will get hurt. Maybe they'll reject me. Yes. So it's something that we've talked about um, with my husband the last few months a lot that so many of us are just fear of discomfort. We have that fear of discomfort. We don't want to feel any discomfort, physical, emotional, and we try to avoid it. We try to, you know, um, use painkillers to just numb it, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is to avoid any sort of discomfort. And we were reflecting on how can we, you know, how can we change society in order to surrender more into that pain? And instead of seeing discomfort and pain as something um, bad, you know, something that we should be avoiding, let's surrender to it. And let's embrace it and mm. let's see what teaches us from that. Um, and I think this is a lesson that I've learned personally from um, through plant medicine journeys, you know, because um, if anyone has done any plant medicines, but f- from our first journey in Alaska in Peru, the, I think surrendering to it was the first um, lesson of um, 
welcoming discomfort. You know, with any journeys, it comes the discomfort first. You know, you feel that pain. You feel it physically. You feel it emotionally. You feel that you are in hell, you know, and you have to surrender to it. I remember uh, the shaman that was telling us, when you are feeling the pain, instead of going to a fetus position, open up. Lay on your back and open up. Surrender to it. And the moment you do that, you feel that peace. You know, you let that discomfort run through you. But it's when we resist it, when we resist the pain, when we resist the discomfort, it's when it becomes worse and it sticks mm-hmm. around. The moment we open up, the moment we, the moment we welcome and surrender to it, it kind of rides over us like a wave. And the quicker it kind mm-hmm. of like leaves us. Um, and it's something that... You know, we try to welcome more in our life, and we try to um, explain to others. Um, but we, we find we find this so much around, especially with family and friends. That like, but I don't want to feel hurt. You know, I don't want to. I don't. I don't uh, why, why would you want to feel discomfort? We see this as this something bad, but it's part of being human. We feel happy and we feel angry. We feel sad and we feel hopeful. You know, this welcoming all emotions rather than just the positive, feel good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, no, and and even that, it's like, yeah, what you're saying about surrendering to the pain mm-hmm. is is such a, a yeah, I I struggle with that the surrender piece quite a lot, yeah. um, and I often struggle more more from I'm like oh, but I am surrendering, I'm letting, I'm trusting, and it's like it's more of that release. Like, I guess a, a question for you: How do you define surrendering? Like, what does that actually look like or feel like for you? Um, surrendering. So it's. First of all, not not resisting it, yeah. Mm. Not trying to suppress it. Not trying to distract yourself. Sitting with it, mm. yeah. Literally allowing yourself to feel that discomfort, without trying to distract yourself. Use other th- means to kind of change the way you're feeling. Sit with that discomfort, and mm. it, that might be crying, sobbing, yelling in a pillow, you yeah, know, okay. rocking, moving, shaking, anything that will kind of let you sit with that, yeah, like and just let it kind of run through you. So it's not, it doesn't mean grabbing your phone. It doesn't mean start talking to someone. It doesn't mean start drinking. It means literally sitting there and expressing it in a healthy yeah, yeah. way, you know, expressing yeah. it through you, letting it be. Um, and it might be writing stuff, you know, that's where artists come, like me painting something, literally letting it come through you without trying to distract it, kind of like mm-hmm. letting it, you know, come out. Um, and, you know, um, sitting with it doesn't mean just sitting there and letting because it, it, once you accept it and once you sit with it, it's not going to linger. It, it, it will want to come out. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And it's really finding your way, what works yeah. for you. Are you, do you like to cry? Do you want to punch pillows? Do you want to scream? Do you want to draw? Do you want to write? Do you want to rock? Do you want to dance? You know, finding your own mean of allowing that, that emotion to come out. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Expressing it was, and that's, that helped me connect the dots a little bit, right? Because mm. sometimes when I'm surrendering to things, I'm like, I see it sometimes in myself as like sitting in the fire. So I could understand the concept of surrendering and sitting in the yeah. fire. But then sometimes I was like, well, what do I do from here? You know, yeah. and, and it's like you said, it's actually expressing whatever yeah. emotion comes out without yeah. judgment. Yeah. And sometimes if our expression part is it's blocked, we can't because we've never seen anyone or don't know how to even express things. It is hard, you know, and, you know, what I work through my clients with is it might be just opening your mouth and just that sign. Yeah. You know, <sighs> <sighs> and yeah. then, you know, slowly opening up 
you know, that channel or start just like moving around slowly. And then and then your body will, you know, will go on and will start slowly. You know, that sound will get louder, will become into like a bit of a scream. Or mm. if you're breathing heavily, you know, tears must start coming out. If you're shaking and dancing, then you will start getting lost into that. Um, but, you know, most of the people just sit there like, well, nothing's happening. So I don't know. But, you know, yeah. sometimes you need to like help yourself a little bit. You know, yeah. like, you know, start even, even journaling, start writing, start drawing and see where that goes. But you need to figure out what your mean is. Yeah. You know, how how do yeah. you get to that? Are you like yeah? Are you do you like are you more of a cry or a screamer or do you want to more do more creative work? So it's really finding what you know what's your outlet. Yeah, yeah. How can you express that in a healthy way? Mm. I like that. You you you, you, t- you touched upon um, awareness, and you were kind of saying like one and this this awareness. I'm just you, uh, the reason why I'm, uh, it kind of came to my attention mm. a bit more as well is that it is a common theme like from when you're a kid it's creating that awareness of like what are you feeling in your body what are you feeling mm. is happening so you can actually understand how to better regulate yeah. creating awareness of the consequences as well so yeah. even prior to you doing things it's like the more repetition through that it's mm. that awareness right through to an adulthood before we can regulate or tell our kids how to regulate we need to create awareness in ourselves what is happening mm. in our own bodies what's causing us to feel tense or angry or happy yeah. or joyful um for me I, I you know i do a daily practice of um I'll check in like I just do a physical mm. check in followed by like, I'll, you know, every week I'll do a journal and I'll reflect on the week. But, you know, physically check in. I'll just be like, OK, I'll close my eyes, sit, take a breath in. And as I breathe in, I'll just be like, OK, what am I feeling throughout my body? Mm. And I realized like one thing with awareness, it was like there's the physical awareness. There is also the emotional awareness. Right. Yeah. Um, and a good way to get out of our heads and into our bodies mm. is was this technique I, I got told. And it's like, as we take that breath in and you go through, you kind of scan from head to toe mm. and just going, what am I feeling? It's like, cool, my head's feeling light. My ears are feeling alert. You know, yeah. my, my nose is a little itchy. My, mm. And it's, it's not judging it. It's just, it can be anything. Yeah. Right through to then, oh, my shoulders are feeling tension. Yeah. Okay, cool. My arms and, and you go through your whole body. Mm. As you go and you scan, you get all these little points of information. Yeah. And then you can actually ask yourself, okay, my, my shoulders are feeling tension. Why? Mm. Mm. What, what what's coming up with, with that and it's just sitting with it mm. and it's allowing like you said yourself to just experience that and it's like oh this i realized i was holding on to blah 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 yeah. and that's why i found like for me was so powerful for awareness is that the more i i've started doing this now it's like a daily practice mm. now all of a sudden i can feel what's happening in my body and it starts connecting to what's happening in the outer world in terms of that emotion like you know yeah. so the feeling of tension in my shoulders is is often for me it's like i'm carrying or i'm holding on to a lot of stress and tension mm. it's it, it's this feeling of like expectation and i'm not hitting a certain expectation is what yeah. a lot happens where whereas like you know discomfort in my throat mm. you know um which often happens is like i'm not speaking my truth yes you know? and i know this kind of ties into other more spiritual side of things yeah, of as course. well um but just in that awareness piece it's like that's that's really mm. helped me harness that. and then i can journal like at the end of the week i'll be like how was my week and then i'll journal mm. on my week and and f- sometimes I would do an awareness, a scan of my body, and I'd be like, my, knee, my legs are tight. I don't understand why, but they are. Mm-hmm. Then I'll journal at the end of the week, and it'll be like, oh, it I'm journaling. <laughs> yeah, it drops in. It's like, oh, this week I did A, B, C, D, D, da, da, da. Yeah. When I did this, it, it made me feel this. And it's just exploring like what I did mm-hmm. and what it made me feel. Like I always do like, what's my thoughts and feelings? I try to connect that. Yeah. Or like that head and heart yes. coherence. I try to do as what much as I can. And it's like, yeah. So I was like, that's how I do awareness and how it's now expanded my awareness mm-hmm. and all things. What's yours? So my, similar to yours, a bit quicker. So it's, it's that check-in, you know. Um, and what I always tell my clients to do, um, 
is just put random reminders in your day uh, on your calendar like during the mm. day like so you don't know when that kind of like like ring pops up but when that ring comes just take in two minutes doesn't it take long to just as you say close your eyes take a deep breath and just check in and tell yourself how am I feeling you know just a question non-judgmentally as you said and start physically it's easier kind of like noticing the tension heaviness lightness you know if you have any pain in your headache in your in your head um like a headache and then kind of like okay how am I feeling you know, mm. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling a bit anxious. I'm feeling content. I'm feeling at peace. I'm feeling a bit irritated. And then just that. And then continuing your day. So mm. keeping it really simple because I find, and obviously, like, I, I find that easier for me as well. But, but I find it with my clients, it's so much easier to incorporate two minutes here and there rather yeah. than assigning a 20 minutes a day to do something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but the end of the day is another great one. Um, that I tend to do, um, not as often. I'm going to be honest. I wish I could be <laughs> more often. Um, the journaling, the journaling, um, just reflecting on your day and what I could have done better. What I'm proud of myself, and just again, non-judgmental, just like reflecting. Okay, the way I talked to this person today maybe wasn't the best way. Um, I did this probably. I was irritated. I was overwhelmed. I was feeling under pressure. Next time, I'll, um, I'll try and. You know, respond differently. Try to take a deep breath, kind of like, you know, that, those ways. Um, but w- another way that I really like to incorporate awareness—not necessarily my own awareness, but like awareness around you—is the way of mindfulness, and that's what I yeah. teach kids, which they love. And it's that when you're out, you know, when you're outdoors, it's that becoming aware of your senses. Mm. You know, so you go through a little thing of like five things that you can see, four things that you can hear three things so you can um, feel. So like the clothes, the ground on the floor, your hair on you. Um, two things that you can smell and one thing that you can taste. I love that. Yeah. So it's, again, it's that a one-minute awesome. exercise that kind of brings you back to the present moment yeah. and you become aware of what's going on around you, you know, kind of like, you know, and because of your kind of the clothes, things like you like, it brings you back to your body as well. Um, yeah. But that's an easy thing and an easy like, little game to start introducing awareness into your kids, which yeah. which which I love, like the idea of awareness. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. no, 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 I, I think and mindfulness. A, yeah, mm. my, no, I love that little technique. Yeah. I, honestly, I was just like, oh, that's actually such a nice way because like the senses brings yeah. you into your body. Yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, Gets back to the present moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful. So, what? Where, where to from here then? Ah, uh, so so many things, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so many things. Obviously, we have mindfully loved. Um, and, you know, mindfully loved, the idea of mindful life, we want it to be like an umbrella, you know. Mm. Right now it's focusing more on couples. Um, but I'm working on a project um, where I'm creating a program for teachers. So kind of like oh, what wow. we chatted about together just before that, how even teachers need that sense of awareness, you know, kind of what are they carrying around, what are their beliefs around teaching, around behavior, around how kids should be behaving in a classroom, you know, and challenging those things. Um so, like, I want to work a lot on the schools at the moment and teachers to kind of work on that. Um, we are developing our first physical product for expecting hey. parents as well, which Beautiful. hopefully will be out in a few weeks. Um, and then just some individual work, which I'm creating some. Um, it's They're like women, I'm calling them women gatherings. Hmm. So they are a combination of women's circles and group counselling. 
So awesome. I want to welcome a creative space for women to um, tapping into their own, because their own issues, their own insecurities, their own fears, as well as creating that um, ritualistic kind of space where they can tap into the true power. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And I was yeah. like, I, look, honestly, I feel like that that same concept. I know you're focusing in on women. It's like that applies to men just as of equal. Of course. And that's that something that, you know, my husband might be able to do. Um, <laughs> but I think it's a journey that I've gone through the last year, like the last year, I think connecting more with my feminine side and wanting to create, um, creating that space for women. I think I realized that I've been a lot in a masculine kind of like, yeah. masculine power and wanting to kind of like enter that and creating that space will support me so <laughs> i love it i love it yeah. look on that note mm-hmm. creating space thank you for creating oh. the space for jumping on the podcast today thank like a little segue <laughs> mm-hmm. um it's been an absolute pleasure and i feel like you just dropped there's so much i've taken on and written literally notes of just like <laughs> the stuff you've covered and i yeah. just yeah i know this is going to be a beautiful experience for others to listen to so thank, thank you, you for having me kyle thank you thank yeah. you <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world if you could subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And if you know someone who needs to hear this on their own journey, share it with them. Thanks so much for listening. And remember to go inwards and onwards, my friend.